0: Welcome back to another case study episode where we review one of our athletes and break down exactly what we did with them to get an improvement, a PB, or a great race result. Today's case study is 30-year-old athlete Dane from Melbourne. Like most athletes, his goal was simple. He just wanted to improve and race better. The goal is simple, but the path to get there isn't always. And Dane was already an above-average athlete. He'd done a 447 half Ironman before coming to us, and he could run in the 130s, high 130s for a half marathon. So, as always, we'll take you through the key changes he needed to make to get more out of himself. So, Dad, welcome into another case study. Take us through where Dane was where, where, when he started.
1: I was thinking about the case studies during the week, Jordan. And um, I, I would be wondering how can we keep coming up with case study after case study about <laughs> people improving. And, and you know, we, you and I just randomly selecting people and having a look and seeing where they've started and where they're at now and what we've done uh what we 've done together as an athlete and a coach uh to enable them to be a better version of what they were when they first came so so it is it's it 's a fun uh podcast to do because you know every time you open up uh a file on an athlete you 're just blown away by how how far they 've come and mm-hmm. you can 't wipe a smile off your face when you see someone who's you know improving you know possibly fifteen minutes from uh from what they were a year ago. Um, and that's the exciting part and there's more to come because they're just starting to hit their straps now and really understanding uh, the, the process of what what sessions are, are really going to be beneficial and uh, and this particular athlete Dane is Oh, he's one of the standout athletes as a training uh, athlete. He just does not miss. His attention to detail is um, a leader in our group. He, if every, everybody could follow what he does, uh, we would have much more improved athletes, at, more than we've got, because he is a standout the way he's attention to detail. And, um, you know, he works hard just like everybody else does, but he's, he's working hard, but he's understanding what he's working hard for. What are the numbers he's trying to achieve? in any session that he's doing, he, he knows and he's well aware of what he did last week and what he's, what he's capable of doing this week and what he wants to do next week and why, why he did or didn't achieve the goals. And that's how he goes about all of his training sessions. And you know it's just a young guy with a, you know, a family and um, just like everybody else, he's got a really busy job and uh, you know, time consuming job and um, his young, young baby takes, takes a lot of the, the time away from him as well. So, you know, he has to really prioritize his time. So he's, He's up at the crack of dawn doing his sessions and um, off to work and then home and, um, you know, doing all the right things. And, um, you know, some of the the race plans that we ask our athletes to give us prior to race day, his are just, you know, world class. <laughs> They've just got every detail that uh, you would, you would want to see. And what do I mean by that? I mean he's gone back and found in his own spreadsheets that he keeps, he's found every session that he's done that would – uh, be proof or evidence to tell us that he can ride at this power um, he's got every single run that he's ever done uh, that tells him he can run at this pace and the same with the swim and so these are the things that that's attention to detail um, and that gives you confidence going into the race when you stand on the beach mm-hmm. thinking how am I going to go today which is the majority of people who are around you the majority of the 500 other people or a thousand other people are standing there going boy, I don't know what's going to happen today. I hope it goes well. Whereas, you know, Dane's standing there going, all I have to do is execute in the moment these actual pieces of information that I know I've done many times, just replicate that today and I'll get the result I want. What a calming thing that must be to think about when you're standing there.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I want to talk to you about the conversation you had with him before the race and afterwards as well, because it was uh, one for the memory bank, I think. But let's start off by going through the data. And one of the easiest things we can do is compare apples with apples and we compare his uh, two Melbourne results a year apart. So he actually, he he had done Melbourne half Ironman in 2022, which was the COVID year when it was in March. And then he did it again at the end of 2022, which is in November. And then a year later, he just started with us in um, August, I think. So a couple of months before Melbourne. um, And then... No, uh, November 2023 so a year later he did it again and uh look it was a, it was a 26 minute improvement from half Ironman to half Ironman but the big caveat there is the swim was short uh at Melbourne number two it was a thousand meters 7900 so you've got to wipe off or you've got to add an extra pro- approximately 15 minutes based on his swim time of 140 to 100 um for that extra 900 meters so his time was 421 uh, but his goal was to go under 4.40, 4 hours 40. He was 4.47 the year before, and he really wanted to go under 4.40. That was his big goal for the race. And the same course, relatively similar conditions. Um, and so it's just been a couple of nice days at Melbourne the last few years. Um, so, he, so he did it. He smashed it with getting 4 hours 21. But we want to add the 15 minutes of what the swim would be, which at his pace um, would have added that. So that gives him about a 4 hour 36 time. So he still broke that 4.40, which is a great result. And... Funnily enough, you talk about his attention to detail. His race plan predicted him at 4 hours 36 exactly. So that is, that is quite incredible um, from him and just from all the data. And that's why the data is so good because you can get a race plan. And basically, if all goes to plan on the day, you predict your exact time. You can get you know, you, your um, swim, bike, and run and your transitions. And he knew how long the transitions should take because he'd done the race before. So that's a big help. But it's a great start, isn't it?
1: Yeah, um, the data really just uh, confirms um, what should have happened and what did happen. And um, I remember vividly, uh, I'd just been uh, helping some of the guys do the the Dirty Warning, which is a 10-hour endurance mount gravel bike race. And I was driving home from there and we were talking uh, to a lot of the athletes on the way home uh, on the phone about their Melbourne Half Ironman the next day. And it was a great conversation to have with Dane, and I was really pushing him hard on uh, his expectation for that half Ironman run, and and I just felt that he just lacked a little bit of self belief in him, and and I was you know really almost pleading with him to say you know you have to have a crack tomorrow if you ride properly like you have been riding, you will be so much fresher than you've ever experienced before, and he's got this. Um, uh, scar from from previous uh races where he's you know blown up in the run uh, from riding mm. riding too hard and yet now he's riding the same you know no he's not he's riding better now than he was before he's riding uh, you know a lot a lot less intensity uh, his, his his graph which we'll talk about later looks completely different um, and so he's not as gassed when he gets off the bike and he's obviously fitter. There's, there's never one reason why this is happening. Um, he's got great endurance, great, great strength. Um, you know, as I said, he does not miss a session unless, you know, he's actually sick, which is, which is, you know, should be a lot when you've got a little child who's, who's catching everything. Um, but, but yeah, he's, he's really, uh, you know, understanding that, uh, I can do this. I think he ran a 4:39 pace in his first, uh, uh, Melbourne in 2022. Yep. Um, yep,
0: yep. And he ended up running March 22. March 22.
1: He ended up running, uh, so it was March 22. Then, then November 22. Then this race was uh, November 23. So, um, so he's ended up running, uh, 419. So from 439 to 419, that's, that's 20 seconds per kilometer faster. And, Hmm. you know, that's a long way to come back from. Um, that's literally nine minutes faster than what you did before. Uh, and that's the difference. That's why he improved. Um, his bike and his swim were very similar, um, but but the bike. Don't be confused by that. The bike time and uh, the power was actually thirty watts higher, uh, but the bike time was similar. But he got off the bike way fresher because of the way he rode. Yeah. He, he rode within himself in the in the zones we we got him to ride in, and that's what actually gave him the the ability to run like that. And and you know. It, it was almost like he was saying to me on the phone before the race, you think I can do that? And I'm and I'm saying, I wouldn't say this to you if I didn't think you could do it. I'm not going to tell you things that I don't think uh, are possible. That's not how I coach. I'm going to tell you exactly what I think uh, you can do. And if you just believe and trust in yourself, you can pull this off. And the conversation post-race was one of those fantastic uh, phone calls you have where, you know, yeah, I did it. And, and that's, that's what, you know, that's what you you want to hear afterwards. You know, it, it was almost speechless. He's going, I, I can't believe I did that, but I, I just did that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, 439 pace to 419, um, that middle, that, that Melbourne, um, half at the end of 2022 was 434 pace. Um, so it improved a little bit, um, but still that monster improvement from year to year. Um, and the bike, like you said, was similar. He was two hours 32 to two hours 28. So a four minute improvement. Um, but the big difference was the, the wattage increase, uh, which is great, but also the execution, like you said, and we're going to go through some real detail on that in a second. But I kind of wanted you to just dive into that confidence thing for a second a little bit more because um, that's a big aspect of execution. He had all the data there. He had the entire race plan, yet he was still hesitant of what he was capable of. You know, the goal time, the goal pace of the half marathon was 4.23 pace and he ended up beating that and going 4.19, but uh, it took a bit of self-belief to get there.
1: Yeah and um it's amazing once you do it once and I was saying to him you know when you ran that 434 pace that was already a confidence booster to you and you know you believed you could run 430 from that point on and then you know getting you to run 423 pace in some of these training sessions where you've done you know 2 3 hour rides at race pace and then I've got you off the bike and asked you to run 8k or 10k or 14k at this 423 pace and you've been able to do it so so you know the evidence is there so you've got to back yourself in a bit more and and he he is a trusting person so if if i if he thinks i i can do i believe he can do it then he's going to believe that himself and i I want the athlete to to have a little bit more of that and and i think most people uh only get that confidence once they've achieved the stepping stone and and i'm saying to him you know now we've done 419 our next goal is to break that we want to be a 415 runner um And, you know, it's almost like, oh, how is that going to be possible? It's the same confidence thing. Well, you didn't think 419 was possible and now, you know, now you've done it um, and you're another, you know, six months down the the track into into your next campaign to the next event. Um, And these are the things that we're practicing in training so that you get that self-belief, but you only get self-belief and confidence from from outside sources or from you actually performing those things, so people can tell you whatever they like. But if you don't actually believe that, you won't you won't follow through with it. So having the data in training and having your coach tell you, they're two confirming things that he really trusted, and I, I think that's a game changer.
0: Yeah, I can't I can't stress that enough. I mean, triathletes, endurance athletes, are very mentally tough just naturally. Um, but it is so, uh, yeah, what's the word? I just um. Confidence boosting, um, and and just such a nice thing to hear when someone externally just says objectively, no, you can definitely do this. You can definitely run at that. And you just kind of you stand up a little bit taller and you you, you put your shoulders back and you go, yes. Yeah, so the coaches said that, so I can do it. And it can't be underestimated how much of an impact that has on the day when you're nervous, um, when you put all this effort in, when. You're getting pretty tired halfway through, and then the coach—you've got the coach's voice in your head that says, "No, no, no, you've—you've you've got the strength to run this in the back end." You know that really does give you a lot of belief.
1: Yeah, and I think also, Jord, um, having the the strategy and the race plan to not try and run 4:19 right from the outset—you mm. know—that is the big thing that people get wrong. Um, you know, it's easy for someone to say, "Well, I want to run 4:19 pace for today's half marathon in this 70.3 event." Well, that doesn't mean you start there and, and, you know, a lot of people will get away with that, but they're yeah. in a small percentage. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I believe if you started at, you know, the first, the first kilometer, if you went 10 seconds slower, if you ran 4.30 in a, in an hour 29 or an hour 30 run, what difference does that 10 seconds make? Someone will say, well, that could be the difference between winning and losing. Well, if it is, you know, that's a rarity. Um, <laughs> when there's four hours 36 other minutes that that could contribute other than those 10 seconds so so be happy to sacrifice 10 or 15 seconds in the first kilometer and then start to get your legs back from the bike and then you can start to concentrate on okay let's see if i can run 425 okay let's see if i can run 422 and you just keep asking yourself how are you coping and of course because it's the start of a half marathon you should be feeling very good um, but just ask yourself at at four twenty five pace at fourteen k is it going to feel exactly the same as it is now so that 's the reason why you don 't run off at four ten pace or four fifteen and end up at four thirty. Not only is it a slower way to run but it is a shocking experience mentally to do that because you are getting passed by you know some trilo athletes who are running it properly and coming home like steam trains where you 're fading and and it's worse when people are passing you when you're feeling bad. But yeah, you know, start to get people passing you. That's when it actually compounds and you think, oh, I'm just crap at this. You know, it's actually your execution that you're crap at. Yeah. You're not actually a bad yeah. runner, you're actually yeah. crap at executing it.
0: Yeah. And funnily enough, that was his exact race plan. Kilometre one, 435, you know, and people that are trying to average 423 would panic about that. Exactly what you're saying. But he's gone, nope, kilometre one, 435, which we drill into all our, all our athletes. If you think we drill it on here, you know, in this podcast, think about how much you drill it in, into an actual athlete's race plan. Who's going to race with Tribolo. Um And then kilometre two, three, um, 430, you know, not even coming down that much. Then up to kilometre... Um, Thirteen, still building towards that four twenty three goal, and then from there was picking up in the last three kilometers was go for it, which was your exact word. So I just really wanted to point out that that was his exact race strategy. And the next bit of data I wanted to touch on was um, comparing to that Melbourne. 2022 day because uh, it was two Melbourne half Ironmans in 2022, but start of the year and the end. That first one was a pretty interesting point of data, and we never want to pick and choose data when we're doing these case studies because we always want to show the full story and not exaggerate any numbers. And we're really, really uh, big on that, and we want full transparency. And you mentioned that he rode has ridden similar times um, across the three half Ironmans at Melbourne, all on the same course. Um, a 227, a 2 th- was number the first one, then a 232, the second one, and then 228 this this last one and Although that's a four-minute bike improvement plus an extra 20 watts, and that kind of makes sense. Uh, comparing conditions on the day is, is really important. And there's something about, um, even though the conditions of the last two races have been very similar, very little wind, a great, perfect, sunny day, um, uh, there's something about air temperature, air density, and we know this when we interviewed, um, uh, I forgot her name, uh, the hour world record holder that... um around the velodrome they actually measure the air density before they do the world record just to make sure the conditions aren't super unfavorable they'll probably go through with it no matter what but um they're not gonna but if it's really bad they will actually not attempt the record because the air density has such an impact and so um, there was something about that melbourne 2022 day that first one where we just had a lot of athletes and a lot of athletes across the board just ride um, outlier times that are just not representative of, of what their potential ability is and we had our own athletes where we kind of had to say to them look this this is a great time but this has a bit of an asterisk against it because we don't know what the course what happened here today That the distance was the same um there was something about the course that was way faster and a lot of people if you know going forward they made that their pb they might not get close to that again there was something about that day that was really fast and so for dane he's uh, he rode at 36 k's an hour in that first one for 177 power he's basically ridden Almost at the same time, within 20 or 30 seconds, this last one, but he's 30 watts higher. So it's important to, to point that out and go, well, he's, he's ridden, and the key point for us is, he's ridden similar time, but he's executed so much better. The way he rode that power, he's ridden higher power, which should be harder, but he's fresher and he's run better off the back of it.
1: Yeah, there's a lot you've, uh, you've c- uh, crossed there, Jordan, uh, to, to pick apart. I can tell you that you know, out of all, uh, I think we had 15 or 20 trivalo athletes in that race, and... Um, the majority of athletes were riding up to 15 minutes quicker than their previous PB on that day. And, <laughs> yeah. and of course, the beautiful weather conditions contributed to it, but there were a lot of packs in that in that particular day with the ride. Um, yep. And you can't underestimate yep, it. You yeah. can't actually help it if you're in a bunch of 30 people. Um, and, you, you know, no matter how, how hard you try to get away, 30 people are always going to gobble up one person who's just ridden off the front. Um, and and you know that has a huge impact on that day, um, and that's un- that's unavoidable. But but as you said, you you can't use that as a as a um, a comparison because that is an inflated time due to um, due to outside circumstances other than your own individual effort. And so that's why total times aren't that brilliant an idea. Um, and we're more about you know what what can you average. Uh, for the speed on a bike, uh, watch your average 100 pace in the swim and watch your average running pace per kilometre. That's going to give you a more accurate uh, uh, identity of what actually happened on the day
0: yeah i did forget about that there was just monstrous packs we saw gone past that day like just packs of 30 40 it was actually yeah laughable and that yeah i remember that now And the same thing happened up in um, sunshine coast i think as well um yeah, which yeah can definitely inflate those times it, it does a lot, ha- yeah. it
1: does happen yeah. a lot yeah but you know we, we just want to point that out um and so so what the the main point i want to get it across with this was um, the way he rode that uh that two hours 28 or two hours 27 in those two comparison years you know a year apart the time was similar Um, but but if we looked at at uh, a power profile with zone one two three four five six you would see that he had a lot of time in every zone one two three four five six and when you looked at his power profile in a year later with similar time but he had 30 watts more um, his power profile had virtually nothing in zone one and two and virtually nothing in zone five and six. And we're going to show that in the in the graph that's Jordan's just shown now. That's great showing these graphs. Uh, the power, power profile is something that a lot of people probably wouldn't take much notice of. And, and just have a look at those two graphs. And for the person who's not used to looking at this, zone one is the first uh, bar graph, bar graph. Zone two, zone three, zone four, zone five, zone six. So we've got six. And on the top one, you can see there's a heap of time in zone one and zone two, a little bit less time in zone three, a little bit less time in zone four, and a little bit less time in zone five and six.
0: So to clarify that, he's, according to his power, he'll be, he should be riding at an average somewhere between zone two and three for most of the day, depending on the uphill, downhill, and wind, but somewhere between zone two and three. And if you actually look at the minutes spent, he spent um, over 30 minutes in zone one, um, just almost 20 minutes in zone four and then almost 10, 15 minutes in zone five and six. That's that's the first time. So overall, we spent over an hour in zones one, four, five and six, where he's supposed to be spending most of the time in zone two and three.
1: Yeah, and why does that matter? It does matter because you are going to actually probably ride too hard to ride too easy so what does that mean well any time in zone five and six means you're going to spend more time in zone one and two and on that day remember we said there was a lot of drafting so that could actually account for a fair bit of time in zone two where he's actually not able to pedal because he's in the middle of a bunch Um, so that could account for that but the main reason is to not be in zone five and six is is to not be in zone one and two. That's the main reason. The second main reason is if you're spending time in zone five and six, you are actually burning through your nutrition quicker, uh, which means you're going to actually um, run out of fuel uh, quicker than you would if you're running normally with a normal bike ride, like we're going to show you in in the second graph. And you'll run worse. Um, Your heart rate will probably be higher. Um, And you'll feel like you've actually done more than you have uh, in a normal ride because you've spent so much time in zone five and six, or or actually four, five, and six. And if you look at the second graph, there's virtually no time in zone one. There's virtually no time in five and six. Like I can barely see a purple line, and that's the biggest lesson that he's taken out of that whole year's training: do not ride in zone one, five, or six. And what an incredible difference! the time the time was the same the power was 30 watts higher and he was able to run literally 10 minutes quicker than he did that year to that year
0: if you look at this and i encourage anyone to, to jump onto the video and look at this if you're listening in audio but he's he's lapped his own time so when he started pedaling and stopped pedaling um and it's hilarious that you know two races later They're two seconds apart, the lap time, even though the gun time was probably 20 or 30 seconds. Um, It's hilarious to see almost the exact same time and completely different power profile and how he got there. And if we added it up, it would literally be 10 or 11 minutes total in zone one, four or five compared to spending over an hour in zones one, four, five and and six in the first race. And that's another key point is in that first race, there was eight minutes or so in zone six. In this second race or the, uh, this latest race, zero time spent in zone six. He just never went above that, which is that is uh really what we want to see in an athlete you know it's it's not even just a little bit you know not coming out of a corner and gassing yourself it's just absolutely zero time in zone six so that makes a big difference and and the exaggerated example is we just did a crit race on um a couple of days ago, and I was comparing data with a mate and at the end of the crit race, it was only fifty minutes and it was um averaged 290 watts or so for the 50 minutes and we were absolutely gassed I had nothing left in my legs after that because this crit race is just super over under you know massive effort in zone six and then massive and then kind of trying to recover in zone one after 50 minutes of that you are absolutely cooked and there's no way you can get off and run at a good pace and that's an exaggerated example but um, for us we were joking that you know the average power was 290 watts and we could hold that for a couple of hours you know if it was Written evenly um but it's so funny for us to see that number and go we feel way more cooked and that what, a, what that average was and that's just an exaggerated example of this you know if you're so up and down you're going to be just absolutely gassing your legs
1: and the normalized power is something that a lot of people still don't fully understand you know the race you just did yesterday your average might have been 290 but i can guarantee i haven't seen the, your file but i can guarantee you it would have been at least 330 or more for that for that 45 minutes
0: it was yeah, it was bang on three thirty for normalised. Yep,
1: and and looking at Dane's graph, I can guarantee that his normalised power for for that first race, the top top graph we're showing, mm-hmm. that's I think what would happen. So why why is that important? Um, that tells us that you're riding over-under, just like you explained in that Criterium race. You're riding too many times higher. And why is that more important? Because you are burning matches. And as I said before, uh, that's what's going to prevent you from running the way you want to run. And and that's the key. It, the, the triathlon is a triathlon. It's not a bike race. It's got a run after it that's make or break. And, and if you find you're not running well, you m- might have to look at how you're riding. And this is why we're talking in such detail and giving away so many of our Trivello really top, top secrets about how to time trial properly. And, and I know we're telling everybody how to do it, but this takes enormous practice to get this right. And and if you're not practicing this in training, don't expect to do it on race day.
0: Yeah. And uh, in preparation for the episode, I went back and looked at his, um, we always get an athlete to fill out um, a form before they start with us and get them to, pick out their key goals and some minor goals and one of his key goals was he just he actually said the words I want to be able to hold consistent power on the bike with minimal fluctuations and this just proves that he absolutely has achieved that. Um, and so I want to go through some last data points and then just finish with you know some of the other changes we made in training. We've, we've gone really into detail about this whole aspect, which is where he, his biggest improvements have come. Um, but we want to go through some other things that really helped his improvement and what he needed to work on. But just in terms of some raw data improvements, uh, his indoor FTP, his 20-minute test, went from 235 to 275. That's a 40-watt improvement indoor. His outdoor went from 252 to 280. So that's a 28-watt improvement. Um, a key note there is that we generally, the reason that the outdoor is slightly less improvement than the indoor is because we generally start with the indoor, so that's when they're right at the beginner, and we don't generally test them outdoor, um, depending on the person and the, and the context, but generally they, they do their first few tests indoor while they're getting used to the bike, and it's, it's a lot easier to control the execution indoor before they do their first outdoor test, so by, by the time he'd done his first one, he was, he'd already improved a bit. Um, but the big, the big key there is that his speed outdoor and his first test was 38.7 and his latest test was 43 kilometers an hour. That is a five kilometer an hour difference. Um, but one final bit of data here that I really want to point out is that his 60 minute time trial has gone from 33 Ks an hour to 37. So a four kilometer increase over 60 minutes. And then really interestingly, his power from the 60 minutes has gone from 190 watts to 240. So that's a 50 watt improvement over an hour compared to his 20 minutes has only increased 28 watts. And that's really worth noting because again, he's doing half Ironmans. We're not trying to get, we test him over 20 minutes, but that's just a test for some data to see where he's at. But we're not trying to improve his 20 minute power. We're trying to improve his 90 kilometer power. And so it's so great to see that uh, with the specificity of training, his 60-minute improvement was 50 watts, whereas his 20-minute improvement was only 28. I say only 28 with quotation marks. It's a great improvement itself. But the fact that the 60-minute time trial was a whopping uh, bigger improvement.
1: Well, don't forget, George, his 90-kilometer improvement was 30 kilo- 30 watts. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, that that's compounding the fact that he's got in great endurance. And, and before we leave the bike stats, where did he get that from? And for those of you who haven't listened to any of the 200- episodes that we've done it is principally the endurance ride in the hills and dane's a local melbourne guy and most cities around the world will have somewhere where there's some hills and if there aren't you need to do something extraordinary and get in your car and drive closer to where the hills are because this is where he's got the strength to hold the power that he wants from the start to the end and not only not only doing those hill sessions has enabled him to have the strength it's actually made him um, a faster bike rider without actually going fast it's just because you're you're all day doing up and down you know climbing uh, efforts out of the seat in the seat um, low cadence work you are really building that resilience and then when it comes to holding you, you know thinking about holding speed and power for 90k you know, that's a long time to be holding two and a half hours for some people three hours for others two hours for the really fast guys. It's still a long time to be holding that power and you need to have some really good aerobic endurance with strength efforts in it. And that's what he's done unbelievably well.
0: So what changes did we make in his training? I think the first thing was you 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 really just wanted to teach him how to ride the bike better, how to ride the power better, because he had a power meter, which was great because we had some data from that first race he did, which was a few months before he saw us, but he hadn't used it as well. And so, yeah, one of his key goals was to get better at riding consistent power. And that came with... You know, those consistent race specific sessions where you were just hammering him to stay out of zone one, four and five and six, of course, but but stay out of zone one, four and five. And in these relentless race ready sessions, um, you know, two by 15 minute blocks, two by 30 minute blocks, 60 kilometer time trial with one hour efforts, stay in the right zones, hold the right zones. So it took him a while to get there, but you know, his last race really shows it came off.
1: Yeah, if you're in that position, you know, go out and try it yourself and and give yourself an upper and lower range category where you're not allowed to go above and you're not allowed to go below. Have have instant power on your screen or three second, either of those two, and have your lap power on the screen. And every time you go for a straight stretch of uh, whether it's a 15 minute effort or 20 or five, you know, just have a look at what your lap power is and, and have a look at what your three second power is and the 3 second will be jumping everywhere but your lap power should be staying in the ranges that we're af- asking you to do which is dependent on what race you're training for if it's olympic distance you could be asking to be riding at zone 4 if you're doing an ironman you could be asked to be riding in zone 2 so so just understanding how to do that in training is is actually what this is about
0: yeah and in your own words um, i like the wording you used where you said the idea is just to not get off the bike and be a basket case you know it's to get off and feel good and have confidence that you can run well and his fresh um, 10K time has come down from 4.12 pace to 3.46. Um, and then that shows in his half marathon strength as well as his strength on the bike that he's been able to improve in both of those. So I think we can leave it there. I mean, anything else you want to touch on about any changes or any conclusions about Dana? It's, it's, we've gone to some real epic data here, but it just shows the the detail you can go into to get a massive improvement.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't like Dame wasn't a very competent athlete already, but he's just taken himself to the next level. And you know, when you when you start to improve eight nine minutes, uh, it, that's that's significant. Um, and you know, I'm talking I'm talking. There's more room for him to go right at this minute because he's now understanding everything we've been drilling into him for the last year. It's always almost starting to click, and he he's now practicing more and more. Um, how to execute these uh, tasks in the training session. So I think that's the exciting part because, you know, his bike times will start to come down now from there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, he's still got more room to improve in his running, even though it's been unbelievably significant. But the next phase for him, uh, now that he really comprehends um, how to train to those numbers and, and stay out of the numbers well down and stay out of the numbers well above, uh, it will start to pay dividends. So I can't wait to see... Um, how he goes.
0: Yeah, we can definitely see in the data already, you know, he's, he's quite strong over that hour, hour and a half mark in terms of his, his raw power, critical numbers. Um, and that kind of shows that he can keep, you know, getting that up to the two and a half hour mark and, and bring down those times. So that's really exciting. And we, we do not want to neglect the swim at all. Um, but He's already a very confident swimmer. His, his swim has improved marginally. Um, but the point of why we haven't worked on it as much, um, this is the case from a lot of our athletes, not every athlete definitely, but a lot of our athletes is that he could, you know, work really hard in the pool and swim three or four times a week to, you know, wipe off another five or 10 seconds of his swim per hundred, maybe more. And that would wipe off, you know, a minute, 30 to three minutes across the half Ironman. Um, But the work we've done on the bike and running has wiped off 11, 12 plus minutes, you know. So that's where the focus has been to start with. Um... If he wants to take his swim to the next level, that's definitely an option. But, you know, as a limited age grouper, you've got to really pick your battles and you don't have unlimited sessions to do. So you want to pick the, the – the you want to find where the most time is to be gained and, and just work on that.
1: Yeah, when you've got limited time to train, and we have talked about that in other podcasts, you know, you have to actually sacrifice something and and you're going to sacrifice the, the event that's going to give you the least return. And, and unfortunately, uh, swimming is the one where you can work, you know, doubly as hard and only get – Uh, up to possibly two minutes improvement Uh, whereas if you work the same intensity uh, on the bike you've got potential to do five or ten minutes and the same with the run we've just proven you know he's actually improved nine minutes by us improving his bike that is that has improved his run so yeah yeah, look um we're never trying to uh dismiss things but you know his his swimming has stayed the same because it's basically two sessions per week it has improved from when he first started he was a 153 swimmer and now he's in the 140s uh, per 100 Um, so you know there's there's no denying he's improved but it's it's not an expectation with you know two sessions per week that you're going to you know get astronomical improvement
0: well, that concludes this episode. It's been a really big and detailed one. We hope you've enjoyed it. Um, I love doing these case studies, like you mentioned at the start. We just keep bringing them out and we'll keep them coming because we have what feels like an infinite amount of data of athletes improving over the years. So we'll keep telling these stories of how people improve. And if you want similar results to Dane and you want to get these improvements, then go to travellercoaching.com.au. You can fill out our form to apply to be coached there. And we do have a guarantee that if your FTP doesn't improve in the first eight weeks, then the coaching is on us because that's how confident we are in your improvement. So thanks as always for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.